Well, good morning, Pompano. How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, 10 o'clock. Love you guys. Glad to be here. My name is TJ. I'm with the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. We're in this series called Relationship Goals. Just talking about how do we how do we have better relations, whether that's marriage, whether that's friendship, whether that's just dealing with the family dynamics that are out there. Because I know that we all have some relational goals in life. But I know that there's one thing that happens to keep all of us from having the best possible relationships ever, and that is this thing called selfishness. Anybody ever dealt with some selfishness, uh, maybe from some other people, particularly, you know, some other selfish people? Because none of us have ever been selfish in our entire lives, have we? No, no, never, never done that at all. You know, it, and selfishness is a difficult thing. It's not something that, like, you just grow out of someday. It's like, someday you hope, like, maybe when you start putting on deodorant or you have a job, like, selfishness is going to dissipate at that point. But it seems to be that selfishness just continues to kind of grow in life. And nobody ever had to teach us how to be selfish, did they? Come on, parents. You never had to teach your kids about selfishness. What's, like, one of the first words that they ever learned? Mine. Oh, you guys have had some kids. And, and when kids don't get their way, when, when things don't go their way, they can have some epic meltdowns, can't they? In fact, I, I was studying this week, and I found this website called ReasonMySonIsCrying.com. And this website, uh, yeah, there, uh, there is moms, is moms that put, that get, take pictures of their kids that are having epic meltdowns. And so this kid, this mom actually wrote, uh, my son is crying because the Lego man's head doesn't fit into the dinosaur's mouth. <laughs> just selfish. Like, it's just not going his way. Or, or this one. This is a good one. Uh, this is my favorite one. This little guy, she, she writes, someone ate all the muffins. It was him. <laughs> I don't know. I start crying too when all the muffins are gone. I mean, like muffins, muffins are good. How about this one? This is a good one here. Uh, this, this mom wrote, the dog was in the way while he was trying to push the chair. And he is, he is having a full on, look at how red his face is. Like, he is losing it right now. Like, and, the, and check out the dog. The dog doesn't even acknowledge that he's there. It's like this snotty-nosed brat has been pulling my tail and hitting me and doesn't even acknowledge him. Sometimes parents, though, you can be the culprit uh, of their meltdown. Check out this one. Uh, this mom says, I wouldn't buy her the Dolly movie. And it's the movie Chucky, you know, <laughs> like the doll that kills people, you know. And so, uh, so you know, we, selfishness, it's, it's something that just comes natural to us in life. And, and I don't have to look very far to find my own selfishness. In fact, I don't even have to look more than 24 hours to see a lot of selfishness on display. In fact, yesterday, Shayla and I were on our way. We have a missions team that's going to Africa in two months. And so we were doing a fundraiser yesterday morning. We were doing a garage sale at some people's house. And so we left early to get ready and head over there. And on our way, they live down off commercial and so we were, we were heading down Powerline from our offices, and I made a left on Atlantic Boulevard. And Shayla's like, this isn't the way to their house. I'm like, this is, a, this is a fast way to get to their house. She's like, this isn't fast to get to their house. And I was like, yes, it is. And she's like, she looks at me, and she goes, you want a dandy donut, don't you? And I was like, I don't want a dandy donut. <laughs> I was thinking our team might like some breakfasts this morning and, and like a sour cream glazed donut from Dandy Donut might just hit the spot for them. And she's like, you weren't thinking about them at all, were you? And I was like, no, I wasn't. I just wanted a Dandy Donut for myself. I was like, but I'm going to buy a dozen and they'll get like three or four of them and I'll eat eight, you know? And so 
Just by the way, I noticed that donut and devil, both start with a D, same amount of letters. There might be some correlation there. I don't know. Especially those dandy donuts. But like, I, like selfish right there. Like it was all about me and getting a donut yesterday. And then later in that afternoon, I convinced a, a young lady to eat a cookie so I wouldn't feel bad about eating a cookie myself. I didn't care that it was going to hurt her and she's gluten intolerant. I just wanted a cookie for myself to feel better. So selfishness. And uh, we all have a tendency to be self-centered. And I think that that is what makes relationships so difficult and so challenging. It is, and, and, and when relationships become a challenge, sometimes they can become so challenging that they become hopeless, and, and it's in those moments that we have got to figure out how do we find hope in those moments. And so today, we're going to be looking at some, some different things today of what the Bible says, and Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, that we talked a little bit about last week, uh, he, as he studied couples he notices a lot of times when we get into these difficult moments or these trying seasons of life, and it doesn't matter whether it's a marriage relationship or a friendship or family dynamics, he says that there are four myths that we start to buy into in these challenging and difficult moments. One of those myths is, is he says that my environment will determine my emotions. And so what that means is that for a lot of us, what will happen is, is we'll start looking and going, well, they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And that's causing me to be unhappy in my relationships. What they're doing or what they're not doing is determining how I feel about myself. And, and Dr. Chapman would challenge us and go, well, while people may impact your environment, your choice of how you feel is solely on you. You have the option, thank goodness, by the grace of God, to choose your attitude. And so while your environment might not be that great, you have a choice in that matter how you're going to respond to it. But a lot of us believe the myth that because of our environment, that's going to determine how we feel. Another thing that he says people believe when they're in difficult relationships is they believe that people cannot change. And I would submit to you that you're sitting in a room full of lots of people that by the power of God have been changed. And so therefore, while you might have an idea that people can't change, I believe that by the power of God, all of us can be changed into something different. And so if you're sitting there today and you're like, this can never change, I want you to know that by God's power, it can change. And don't lose hope in this moment. Another lie or myth that we believe, he says, is that we only have two choices a miserable marriage or relationship or a difficult divorce or breakup. And, and a lot of times we do believe that. And, and we're going to speak to that today and how we can avoid some of that. We're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. So just, just hold on to that thought right there. And then the fourth myth he says is he says, some situations are hopeless. And what we believe a lot of times is that mine is one of those situations. And, and I would suggest that with God, there's always hope. There isn't a situation where it becomes hopeless because we serve a God of the impossible. And so while you may say your situation is impossible, God makes all things possible. And so while you might be losing some hope right now, as long as God is still in, in the equation of that relationship, there is still hope for your moment. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is, is how do we defunct these four myths? And I believe it comes down to this one idea. We have got to give God 100% influence 
over the 50% of the relationship that we can change. And that 50% of the relationship that we can change, there's two people in every relationship and they play a 50-50 role. And that 50% that you can change is you. You can't change the other person, but you can give God full control over you. Now, in doing that, you might not see the impact in their life. You not, might not see the change in, your, in their life, but you, what you will see is a change in your life. And I think that that is what it's all about. And what will happen is if it changes you, it'll start to change the outlook on your environment and the attitude that you take. If it changes you, it'll start to change the hopelessness that you feel in that situation. If it changes you, you'll start to believe that because you're changing that other people can change. If it starts to change you, you'll realize that there aren't just two options, a terrible divorce or, or a terrible breakup or, or a, a just an unhealthy relationship. But God, by his grace, can make that an an incredible relationship. And so the most important thing that you and I can realize in relationships is that we can't change that other person, but we can allow God to change us. It's the most important thing that we can grab hold of today. And if God can change us, then it will impact everything that we see, everything that we do, and it'll impact it not only for God, but for good for us. And so today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be hanging out for the day. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, you can look in your worship guide. All the notes are provided there or up on the screen. And we're going to be looking at a sermon that Jesus gave. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's some of his most famous teaching. And he broke this off over a day and just, man, was just blew people's minds. We're still learning from his teaching over 2,000 years ago. And today, the portion of Scripture we're going to be looking at and uh, Matthew chapter 7, a lot of times we look at this from a religious context or we look for, at this from a, a moral context, but I don't want us to look at it that way. It can be taken in those ways, but I want us to look at this from our relational context today. I want us to look at this from our marriage. I want us to look at this from our friendship perspective. I want us to look at this from our relational life. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. He says, do not judge your husband. Do not judge your wife. Don't judge your friends. Don't judge your Uncle Eddie who's crazy. And you will not be judged. For the way you treat your spouse or the way you treat others, that will be the standard for use in judging. It is a standard by which you will be judged. Now, this judging thing seems to happen suddenly in our lives. And, and what happens is, is we start to assume the worst in somebody else, and, and I don't know why we do this, but we take like this pathological path that's just kind of crazy to start assuming the worst in people. And before long, we get to this place where we're judging them based on things that haven't even occurred in life. For example, let's just take Valentine's Day. We just had Valentine's Day like two months ago, and some of you guys might have set up a uh, your life for Valentine's Day failure. And let me explain that. And we'll use the context of this is coming from the wife. And you said this. You said, you know what? You have this in your mind. You said, man, if he really loves me, he'll buy me flowers. If, if he really cares about my feelings, he's going to take me out to dinner tonight and have an incredible night. If he is really, if we're on the same page, he's going to surprise me with this incredible surprise. And in your mind, you said, if he does this, 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 and this, and you don't tell him what any of those things are, and you expect him to read your mind, right? 
Come on now, ladies, you know you do this. You have all these expectations in your mind, but you don't tell them jack squat about what those expectations are. And so what happens is, is you roll into Valentine's Day and you just sit back, you cross your arms and you go, well, I'll see how he feels. I'll see how he's doing in this relationship. And so you're waiting for this and you're wondering about that and you want this to happen. And when he doesn't meet your needs, you'll be tempted to think, well, if he really loved me, then he would have. And if he really wanted, then he should have. And he didn't. But here's what I would suggest to you is that maybe in moving to that place where he should have and he didn't and he could have and he didn't and he, he might have or all of those things, that maybe you're making a judgment. And the reality is, is just he's totally oblivious to all of those things. I'm just saying, I'm a dude, I understand. Like, we are not mind readers, okay? As much as you think you can just do some, like, telepathy or whatever that word is with us, and we're supposed to understand you, it just doesn't happen that way. We can't read your mind. In fact, I have a friend this past Valentine's Day. A couple of weeks before Valentine's Day, his wife walked into the living room, and she sat down, and she said, hey, you know what? Valentine's Day is coming up. That's a good thing to do, ladies. That's a good thing to remind him that something's about to happen in a little bit. And then she said this, I want you to buy me a gift for Valentine's Day. And he goes, okay. Like, you're giving him some clues now. And she goes, and what I want for Valentine's Day is a pedicure. Do you know what she got for Valentine's Day? A pedicure. That joker hit it out of the park. He got her a pedicure and a manicure. Like, that's helping your dude win, ladies. Yeah, like some guy's getting excited right now. He's like, well, I need this message right now. It's helping him win. Listen, we need all the help that we can get because sometimes it's difficult to be intentional because we're oblivious and we need that help. Like we just don't get it. Like we're not that good. And here's what the danger is, is when you start assuming some things, especially if you're having a bad day or you're tired or things haven't gone exactly as planned, what happens is, is you go from, like, he didn't get me flowers, and you go on this pathological uh, zip line, and all of a sudden you go, well, he didn't get me flowers. Well, then who was he thinking about? And all of a sudden you're over here, and you're going, well, last week we were at a party at my friend Gina's house. I bet you he was thinking about Gina. And all of a sudden you're here, and then you're like, I bet you he didn't get me flowers because he got Gina flowers. And whoop, and I bet you he's having an affair with Gina. And all, all of a sudden, the man of your dreams is having an affair with your best friend because you let your mind get the best of you. And what you've done is you've done exactly what Jesus is telling us not to do here. Don't judge. Don't make some assumptions and start judging the situation because our assumptions get in the way. And here's what I would challenge you to do in your friendships, in your relationships, in your family dynamics, is this, is assume the best interpretation of their actions possible. Just go ahead and instead of assuming the worst, which is what we naturally do, we have a tendency to go to the worst possible scenario. Assume the best intentions until they prove you otherwise different. Assume a good thing. That's just being proactive and saying, I'm not going to judge them first. It's saying, you know what? In our lives, man, I'm going to give God 100% influence over the 50% of the relationship I can control, which is me and my part. 
And so how do we practically do that? And Jesus is going to give us some steps here in the next following verses. And so if you're taking notes, the number one here is this. Give and you'll receive. This is what Jesus is going to tell us. Give and you'll receive, which goes against our natural tendency because we want to receive and then we'll start to give. Like when you do this, then I'll do that. And Jesus kind of flips the script on us and goes, no, 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 no. I want you to give and then you'll receive. And, and I know this to be true. Uh, the, the past couple of Christmases, Shayla and I have just said, um, we, we've just said, hey, you know, Christmas season is really busy. It's kind of a crazy time of year. We, we do a lot in our greatest gift offering and stuff. Hey, let's not buy each other presents. And so not this past year, but the year before, Shayla said to me, uh, coming up on Christmas, she goes, hey, I know that we're not buying each other presents this year, but what I'd really like is I'd like for you to buy, let's buy each other cards. And I was like, okay, I can probably do that. And, and Christmas season starts rolling in, and we have all kinds of outreaches and all these things, and it gets to Christmas Day. We've just been out all night Christmas caroling in bars um, after our Christmas Eve services, and we wake up the next morning, and, and she's like, she like runs up and hands me a card, and she's like, Merry Christmas! And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, because... Uh, because I didn't have a card. And, and I was like, babe, I am so sorry. I, I don't have a card. And the easy thing for Shayla to do right there, because she's given and she hasn't received, is all of a sudden go like, well, you no good, dirty piece of, you can imagine. And uh, like, like, I can't believe you didn't. And so, but she didn't do that at all. She goes, man, babe, I understand. Like, I understand the season was crazy. Uh, and that like, we got really caught up in things. And she goes, you can make it up to me. And you want to know what? I've been making it up to her ever since. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she gave and she has been receiving ever since. And so uh, we all have a choice when it gets hard in relationships. In fact, I found this, this older couple, uh, and he says, whenever I get mad at you, you never seem to get upset. How do you manage to control your temper? She goes, man, I just go and clean the toilet. And he goes, how does that help? And she goes, I use your toothbrush. I'm just saying, that ain't right right there. I mean, that's messed up. So, like, I don't think that that's the best solution. So Jesus might just happen to offer us a better solution. Uh, Luke 6, 37. This is the same verse that we just read in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It's just Luke adds a little bit more to it. This is what he says. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And so Jesus is laying out this important principle here. And a lot of times when we get to this passage right here, we always look at this in the context of finances. We always look at this in the context of money. And, and thank goodness there's, that's, that's one way to look at this. And I'm thankful for those of you that trust God with the first 10% and give above and beyond that. Man, God promises he'll go above and beyond and he'll bless you beyond that. But there is a greater principle in there than just money. And Jesus is teaching a great principle here. He's saying like, listen, when you give grace and you give mercy and you give love and you give forgiveness, it has a way of coming back to you. It is this principle of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you're planting in your life and eventually that's gonna grow up and harvest in your life. This is not karma. 
Some people think, oh, the Bible teaches karma. No, 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 it doesn't because karma never factors in grace, unmerited favor. You don't deserve that, but you get it anyway. So that just negates that. That's a different religion. This is sowing and reaping. And he's saying, man, the things that you're going to plant in your life over time, as those things grow, those are eventually going to be harvested around you what you plant. And it's a basic principle. And so if you go out and you plant negativity, you plant emotional outbursts, you plant uh, uh, anger, what's going to happen is you're going to harvest dysfunctional family dynamics, dysfunctional relational dynamics. Now, on the flip side, if you go out and you plant love and you plant grace and you plant mercy, what you're going to reap is you're going to reap healthy relationships that are full of mercy, that are full of grace, that are easily forgiving of one another, that are, that are full of love in your life. And that's God's way of bringing that blessing back to you. In fact, God is ultimately the one that we're doing this all for anyways, because he says, listen, when you serve somebody else, when you love somebody else, when you're kind to somebody else, you're not only doing that for them, but scripture says that we're actually doing that for God. And you're serving God by serving other people. And as you receive from God, and then you're, what you're doing is you're passing that back on to others in life. And so give first and give with proactively, and then you'll receive in life. And so Jesus is teaching us, man, be proactive in going, man, I'm going to go first. I'm going to be the one that's going to start to change. I'm going to be the one that's going to allow God to do the work in my life first. And so we got to go back to give God 100% of, of the influence over the 50% of our relationship and change the one that we can. And then secondly, what we need to do is we need to remove our log. We need to remove our log. And Jesus is going to give us this great analogy uh, uh, about a log in our eye and how we need to address it and see all of us, we easily see weaknesses in other people. But it's hard for us to see weaknesses in ourselves, isn't it? Come on now. It's easy to see other people screw ups and mess ups. It's hard for us to realize our own. In fact, Shayla and I, we've been married for almost 16 years. Next month, it will be 16 years. And I'll never forget, uh, one morning, Shayla walks into the bathroom. She's getting ready. And she goes, TJ, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. My jeans are getting so tight. I think I'm putting on weight. Now, if, if you've ever had a spouse come in and make this kind of statement, you know that you are walking into a landmine right here. Like, I have screwed this one up so many. Like, there is not an answer that's good. You know that silence, that's going to mean one thing, and that's not good. You know that saying something is, is going to mean something else, and that's not good either. And so, you're like, you're kind of tiptoeing around. In fact, I'll never forget one time, Shayla's like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm putting on weight. And I said, you know what, babe? We should go on a diet. Wrong answer. I didn't say you need to go on a diet. I said, I got, I'm chunky around the waist, okay? Like, we need to go on to a diet. This is a, this is a plural kind of thing, and, and, and like that did not end well. Another time, I was like, we should do an exercise thing. Fail. Okay, like, and, like, and so this time she walks in, and, and I'm going, oh, man, what do I do? You know, in my mind, I'm, I'm going through every scenario, and, and I go, you know what, babe? You just wash those jeans, and I'll bet you you've washed those jeans so many times that they have shrunk, and so it's the jeans, it's not you. Boom, killed it. She's like, That's, that was a good answer right there. I was like, guys, you should write that down. Like, next time, like, it's, it's the jeans, it's not you. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 3, it says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? 
How can you think of saying to a friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And this is supposed to be funny. Jesus is trying to use humor here. He's saying like, listen, you got a redwood tree in your eye and you're trying to adjust the little crumb that's in my eye. Why don't you go and fix your jacked up life before you try to come and fix mine? Some of you are like, that was the conversation with my mom this morning, you know? <laughs> But in, in every relationship, whether it's dating, it's marriage, whether it, it's just friendship, it's so easy to try to pick out the speck before adjusting the log, even though everybody else sees that log. And he continues on. He says, hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And sometimes it's hard for us to see the log in our own eyes. And it's so easy to see other people's problems. They're so obvious to us. And Jesus is saying in a lot of other versions, if you're to go and look at it, he says, why don't you contemplate the log? He's saying, why don't you assess your own life? Why don't you look at your own life and, and fix what's wrong in your life before you focus on other people's issues? Why don't you do some self-reflection about what you're saying so you realize what you're really meaning? And, and he goes, because sometimes the criticism that you have is actually really about yourself. Like, think about it like this. I just wrote down to some of these. Like, when you say your whole world revolves around work and that's not healthy, sometimes what you're saying is, is your whole world revolves around your work and not me, and I don't like that. Or maybe you're saying, I want you to be more decisive and independent, but what you really are saying is, is I want to live my own life and I don't want to be making decisions for you. Or maybe you say, you know what, you need to keep the house neater and this care more about this place, but what you're saying really is, is that when this place isn't kept up and it's not clean, I don't feel good about myself. Or maybe you need to stop, you say, you need to stop stressing about life and all the little things because you're stressing me out. When the reality is, is if you were to look at the log, you just don't want to deal with them. And when we give a little bit more reflection sometimes, we can start to see that, wow, their issue really isn't their issue. It's, it's I have an issue within that issue. And so often what happens is I, I sit down with people and we start talking about their relationship dynamics and what's going on. And, and they're so busy focusing on some specs. They're like, he did this and he did that and she did this and she did that and 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 that. And they go over and over and over again on the little simple issue but they're not getting to the log part of it. And what happens is, is we keep playing this broken record over and over and over again. And some of us have been playing that song out for a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, and it doesn't help anything. And maybe, just maybe it's time for you to maybe switch the soundtrack of your life. Maybe it's not all on the other person. Maybe it's not all about the issue that you see because you can't change their issue, but what you can change is you. And if you'll stop focusing so much on them and start focusing on what God is trying to point out in your life and in your behavior, maybe, just maybe, it will change them based on how he's changing you. Because you can't control that aspect of their relationship, but you can't control that aspect of your relationship. We need to give God 100% influence of the 50% of the relationship we can control. 
and allow him to move and shape and change our life. And as we do that and we give and we receive and we start to remove the law, finally what we need to do is we need to live the golden rule. We need to live the golden rule. And in Matthew 7, verse 12, he says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And this is what it all boils down to here because up until this point, every philosopher had, had used this, this statement in a negative connotation. They say, don't do this and other people won't do that. Don't do this and people won't do that. And so Jesus comes in here and he kind of flips it all around. And he says, no, 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 I want you to be proactive in this. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Like I want you to take the first step and be the kind of person that you want others to be to you. He says, man, we need to, this, this Christian life, this following me is going to look way different than everything else. And I want you to be proactive in your relationships rather than reactive in them. And so you think about it and you, you think about it like this. Do you like it when you come home and the house is clean? Then do that for them. Do you like it when they surprise you on a special date? Well, do that for them. Do you like it when they think about you and get you a gift? Well, why don't you do that for them? Do you like it when the house is clean and the diapers are changed and the dishes are done and the laundry is folded? Well, why don't you do that for them? And Jesus is trying to get us to, to flip it and realize that, man, the healthiest relationships are the relationships where we're doing the only thing we can control, which is our part. And he's saying we got to be proactive in that. And he's saying for us, he's challenging us to take the first step, to stop judging, to stop reacting to the other person based on what they're doing and start going, you know what, God? I'm going to give you 100% influence over the 50% of the relationship that I can control. And then as I give that, and, and as I remove the log in my eye, and that as I, as I go and I live out the gold rule, what's going to happen is the blessings that you promise is that it's going to be pressed down, shaken, and running over, that there is going to be a blessing that I can't even see right now. Because as you change me, everything in this relationship is going to change. Now, really what Jesus is challenging us to do is, is Jesus is challenging us to surrender control. Because a lot of us, we're holding on to like, well, they need to, like, it's all about what they need to do rather than this is what I need to do. And maybe you're here today and you're in a relationship and whether it's a friendship, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a family dynamic, whether it's a marriage, and there's tension in that relationship, it's really easy to blame the situation away. It's really easy to buy into one of the myths that your environment is creating that emotion that you're feeling or that that person can't change or that this is just going to end up one of two ways, me miserable or a, a terrible separation where there's no more hope. But with Christ, I believe there is hope. 